Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning to you. Don't you love these weeks when there's no news? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed it. I have to um, I have to start with the... Uh, well, for the first thing I should start with is that there's a... Uh, Report from Israel that two Israelis were injured about 45 minutes ago in a suspected ramming attack outside of El Azar. The driver, presumed to be Palestinian, was neutralized, according to uh, MDA. Two pedestrians were hit by the vehicle on Highway 60, a 17-year-old boy and a 19-year-old woman. The MDA spokesperson said the first was unresponsive and in severe condition with multi-system trauma, while the 19-year-old suffered from moderate injuries. They've been evacuated to the respective hospital. So, I mean, I, in all fairness, I don't know if uh, you or anybody else has any further information on this, but that's the latest that's coming from the area of the Gush. And speaking of the Gush, we know what happened to Dvir Sorek there. Uh, we had the opportunity, because of a Nefesh Benefesh flight, to visit his family and participate in the Shiva call this week. And, Malcolm, it may not be a bad idea, especially this week, uh, to start off by simply admiring our brothers and sisters in Israel who know and understand. I mean, you, know, you meet people with incredible strength, and this family is among that uh, is is in that category. Uh, who you, you meet people who are uh, who understand what the commitment is to live in Israel, to be in Israel, and to fight for Israel, and uh, the sacrifice that often has to be made or is made. And uh, as I'm sure you've experienced many, many times, it was a, uh, in many ways, an uplifting experience being in their home. Yes, and it's, uh, his grandfather, Rabbi Herling, was was killed in a, in a, a terrorist attack, and um, it, it, I think it was remarkable that a group of of Arab students wrote uh, a tremendous tribute to him uh, because they participated in a group. In which he, of which he was part of, for a dialogue group, um, and they wrote about him in, in such uh, amazing terms, but couldn't sign it for fear of retribution, wow. which tells you a lot about what the standard and what what the um, uh, degree of um, incitement and uh, intolerance there is. And the you know that the UN for the first time this week actually addressed the issue. Of the Palestinian incitement in the schools and in, in official statements and um, in uh, it, by uh, government officials and by in, in educational institutions, and this is, uh, I think, a first. It was just in Geneva at the UN Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, and they had several reports by non-governmental organizations pointing out the anti-Semitic and anti-Israel prejudice in the Palestinian media and uh, statements and and uh, the the um, questions raised particularly by representative from South Korea were quite sharp and they they talked about the obligation that people have the member states have to eliminating hate speech so it's the first time that we're seeing that kind of uh, accountability being demanded uh, at the UN it's not something we see very often there but, you know, these incidents and the ramming today, which appears to be a, a terrorist attack by all the evidence, uh, and these two teenagers, as the media always calls uh, others who are teenagers, they won't talk about it when it's uh, young Jews who were innocent, just standing there, uh, um, uh, are, are uh, hit in the way that they were by this ramming. 
it's a cowardly attack, uh, as is terrorism generally, and really requires people to speak out forcefully and to act forcefully to, to, to stop it, and that means going to the sources. In addition uh, to those that... Um uh, to those families that are like the Sorek families in terms of inspiration, uh, I also had an opportunity, as you know, we were on the plane this week with Nefesh Benefesh, 242 Olim. And, you know, American families do not grow up with the same uh, uh, type of environment that the Israeli families do with certain uh, expectations and fears. And, uh, and yet they are willing to go ahead and help build communities in Israel and really plant their roots and establish their roots and raise their children in the Holy Land in different areas of the state. And uh, you know how inspiring that is. So uh, uh, we were there and enjoying it. And uh, like I always say, the future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel. And this week we again uh, got to see that there is hope, in fact, for the Jewish people. And it's the day-to-day heroes who don't make the papers, who are engaged every day in building the state, protecting the state, uh, sacrificing sometimes for the state, and, and, you know, when there, there is a story, it goes away after a couple of days, but the families have to live with the consequences for the rest of their lives. No question about it. All right. And what might be considered the story of the week, um, the uh, Israeli government, led by uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, had, in fact, um, banned and uh, announced that there would be a ban um, and that he would not allow uh, Congresswomen uh, Tlaib and Omar to uh, come into Israel, a trip that has been uh, pretty uh, well publicized and certainly spoken about to a great extent. Uh, the latest is, and as I uh, mentioned on social media earlier this morning, it's fascinating watching this develop uh, because if you don't pay careful attention to the latest, then you're not going to be up to date. The latest is that uh, the Interior Minister, Interior Minister Derry, has in fact approved Rashida Tlaib's request to enter Israel. She requested admittance in order to visit her relatives, and specifically her grandmother, who's in her 90s. And uh, the um, the Minister of the Interior, in fact, granted her permission. Um, I, I assume, I, maybe this is a wrong assumption, I assume that if she is, in fact, um, being granted permission for this humanitarian-type visit, that uh, she has to make or has to adhere to some type of guideline about there not being any type of political activity while she's there? Would that be correct? Yes. And we don't know exactly what she she agreed to, that she would not engage in boycott activities and that she was requesting an humanitarian grounds to visit her 90-year-old grandmother. I mean, obviously, it's been a very confusing week, and the um, various positions that have been taken from the beginning have caused uh, consternation. I think some of the statements made um, by people when when a a Jewish congressman from New York strongly condemns Israel over this decision, which is the right of every country to limit the um, those who come in and uh, the, the country and who have a right to come in uh, when they are engaged in activities that are detrimental to the state and specifically when you have a law that bars uh, that entry. Um, but the I think no one will say that this was a model about how things should be handled given the flip-flopping on, on the position on it. But now I think this will help diffuse uh, some of the anger and... and um, I suggest people go and read the statements if you want to see where people oh, stand. Yeah. Do, do you think there's a whole scorecard out there with all the statements? Do, do you think that um, 
that now some of uh, the Jewish leadership, and and let's toss in the, into that category government officials as well, as you mentioned, the member of Congress, um, do you think that there might be some regret for the type of language they used and the type of reaction they had now that Derry has issued at least permission to her to come into the country? Yes, that's exactly my point. You can differ with the decision. You can criticize it um, uh, legitimately and say that you, you believe that uh, they should have been let in. Steny Hoyer, who is a great supporter, just led the delegation of 40 Democratic members, uh, tried to negotiate this and, and um, was the first to, to put, include in his statement about the option she had to, to make a humanitarian um, appeal and uh, to 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 come to Israel under the circumstances that she ultimately agreed to, so there, there are, it is legitimate for people to say we differ, as many in Israel did, and many Jewish organizations did. But the language that was used, the way that people took it, uh, uh, the opportunity, I think, uh, says a lot. And I suggest that people go back, but see the the, the actual language that people used. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one thing to differ, another thing when to say that this this comes to the point of strongly condemning that's that's really outrageous the uh, the prime minister of israel whether we like it or not is de facto in the world's eyes whether we like it or not the leader of the jewish people that's a, i think i think that's a safe statement to make i'm not saying officially you get my point and yes. and the way that that certain leaders and uh, and certain organizations immediately go ahead and throw him under the bus when you would think that if your brother has you know sustained the 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 process and somewhat of the aftermath of this very difficult decision you'd think they'd be a little more either sympathetic or guarded the way they react meanwhile if you look at the scorecard there are very few on the netanyahu side of the ledger the majority of government officials and leaders in the jewish world uh, or at least the ones that are being spoken about and getting all the publicity are on the other side and you can't find too many who are you know, ready to at least, you know, back the prime minister to an extent or discuss that, you know, he may have a legitimate point of view on this. Well, I think most of the statements, if you look, were tempered and and not irresponsible. It is true that, that you know, for those who have to work with him and people who are concerned about the relationship with the Democratic Party and Democratic side, um, about that, the, and, 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 but, I, but I do think that there was uh, an attempt at balance and and some constraint about uh, about it. But you know, after you're told that that they would be allowed to come, then they're not allowed to come, and then they're allowed to come, and then you work out this this compromise. I understand why people are confused, and um, but as I said, there are, there are people who overreacted, both leaders, Jewish leaders, and and uh, members of the the media, and certainly even some of the elected officials. Um, so, you know, it's a very sensitive issue. We all know it. There were people who had weighed in before. So when people weigh in, then they get frustrated when right. their advice isn't taken. Uh, but I think the outcome, it's regrettable that this couldn't have been the outcome before. Right. That uh, would have resolved a lot of the a lot of the tensions. So, so he may have made the right decision, but it, he may have just in a sloppy fashion gotten to that decision. Meaning, if in fact the prime minister... And one has to believe that, you know, that, in fact, this is his motivation. Uh, you know, he believes that, you know, a law is on the books for a reason. And, you know, if, if we're not going to enforce it, what's the point of the law? And the law I'm referring to, obviously, is, you know, one who calls for boycott of Israel, you know, should not be let into the country. So well, we should remind people that France last week barred somebody 
for 40 years for coming into the country because she was a Holocaust denier. Every country, you know, there was a member of the Knesset that was barred coming to the United States. There are people who are barred because of, of uh, incitement to extremism or their views. You know, communists used to be barred. Other people barred because of, of um, a danger, perceived danger that they, they would pose or because they violate standards that the country set for admission. Every country in the world sets standards. You know, but Israel's the only one that, that then gets uh, this kind of scrutiny. Obviously, this is a high-profile case. And I understand it, and I um, and I, I would say that I think that you know reviewing it, hopefully the they will see that the, you know wasn't handled in the best way possible. Right, but you also may disagree with me that if it was handled properly, it wouldn't have mattered in terms of the reaction and everything else. Well, if the outcome would have been the original outcome, then yes. But I don't know that they that the Congress members would have been willing at that point. Right. I think that they wanted a grandstand this. We are in the midst of speaking with uh, Malcolm Honline. It's our weekly update. He is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and and the Nahum Siegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm, what about the whole President Trump angle on this, uh, that President Trump issues a public statement. I mean, his opinion regarding the two congresswomen is very, very clear. And then very shortly after that, the prime minister announces his decision. Uh, Most conjectured that one had to do with the other. What do you think? Well, all I can go by is what um, Ambassador Dermer has told me and told the call um, with the conference presidents that that was not the factor in the decision, that this was an internal decision uh, of Israel. It certainly has appearances given the timing and um, um, the, the circumstances. So I think it's safe to, to say that many people assumed it. A lot of the media made the link, uh, but they, the Israelis are telling, telling us that this was an independent decision that they reached on their own. And... Um... Now, in the aftermath of all this, uh, can this proceed peacefully? Can this, because one of the things that, that upset certain people, and I think more rational thinking on this, uh, was that it would simply be better for the prime minister to let them come in because it would end up having less publicity, less hoopla. It would be over with, I think it was supposed to be this coming weekend, right? It would be over with, and that would be the end of it. Uh, can this now, the way things are, proceed in a relatively peaceful manner, or we are going to likely be subject to some type of circus atmosphere? Well, I think that the media will certainly uh, hype this to the maximum degree possible, the visit that will take place. Uh, but she has signed a pledge, and she indicated that she only wants to go humanitarian reasons because uh, she has a 90-year-old grandmother. You know, so we will see it. The problem is that it sucked all the energy uh, also out of very critical issues over the last few days that are not getting the attention they deserve regarding Iran, Turkey, ISIS, so many things, Gaza unrest, um, the the, um, developments that that really require attention. And yet, of course, this gets such such highlighted uh, focus that other issues get, get shunted aside. What can you tell us about the other congressional visit to Israel? They were very successful, 30 Republican members uh, of Congress, 40 Democrats, led by Steny Hoyer. Uh, they gave the, the prime minister a, a very strong ovation when he finished, the Democrats. Uh, many of them praised the visit, 
and some of them obviously have reservations or even criticisms, uh, but they had a very successful visit. And as you know, there's nothing that sells Israel better than Israel and having people see it. But if you're going with a bias, if you're going there to exploit the freedoms that Israel offers, and, and to talk, they, they were going to the Temple Mount, they refused to visit any Israeli officials, they didn't want any briefings, they, they said that, that they listed it as congr- a delegation visit to Palestine. I mean, it was clear that this was provocative and the and what the intent uh so now we'll see but um, i i think that there will still be a lot of media attention to the visit but i i'm i, I think she will abide by the rules did uh, I, and i'm only operating on the assumption because i didn't see anything so i'm operating on the assumption there was none did you feel inclined for the president's conference to uh release a statement we did, but but we tried to be balanced. We we offered uh, we we hosted uh, Ambassador Dermer in a statement of call, which um, most of the fifty three organizations were on, and he is very effective, as you know, as an advocate for the positions of Israel and very strong uh, debater, uh, and offered you know the reasons uh, that there were criticisms expressed. Uh, there were some organizations that expressed support. I would say the majority expressed reservations or criticism of the decision. Uh, I, I just looked at some of the uh, press reports before about uh, everything from Wiesenthal, ADL, committee, et cetera, even APAC, uh, so that uh, an statement just reflected what the sentiments that were expressed were. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you hear about the Temple Mount on Tisha B'Av? You know, Sunday was, of course, the observance of Tisha B'Av, and we had heard that there were, uh, and, and there are many people in the, Jewish community of Israel who like to use the day to go to the Temple Mount, and usually every year there's record-breaking numbers compared to previous years. But this year there was some problem because of a Muslim holiday and some uh, some more objection than usual uh, to Jews going up to the Temple Mount. What did you hear about what happened Sunday? Well, in fact, there, there, there was there were clashes that uh, there were a number of Israeli policemen injured. I think the media coverage on it was simply outrageous. I heard some of the reports, BBC, NPR, and others, that didn't even acknowledge the, the Israelis that were hurt and, and made it sound like it was a one-sided slam against Muslims who were coming to the Temple Mount. But what they don't know is that the PA initiated uh, and instigated uh, clashes, that they, they closed some of the other mosques. They called um, uh, to, the, to the mosques around Jerusalem to remain closed so that they could recruit as many people as possible to come to the to the Temple Mount. They also changed the prayer time so that they would maximize the crowds when Jews would be there. Uh, I think about 1,700 Jews were allowed up, uh, uh, as I recall the number. Um, but that's what they wanted. They wanted to, to instigate a clash. They don't care about the, the victims uh, on either side, even of their own, uh, as we see in Gaza and we see in the West Bank, as we see everywhere else every single day with very little um, attention paid to. By the way, I saw William Daroff at JFK because his daughter made Aliyah on right. Tuesday, which is pretty cool. Uh, this is, of course, your successor, CEO, upcoming CEO of the Conference of Presidents. Would, would this be something that uh, that you would, uh, at some point in the next few days, uh, call him, speak to him about this whole episode with what happened with the prime minister and the way the conference should react and uh, and how things historically have been when really sensitive issues like this come up between the different organizations? Well, we talked. We talked to all of the member organizations and tried to brief the leadership. And certainly, he will be uh, brought in. To, to there'll be still a number of months before 
he comes to the conference, and uh, we work together then. And uh, I think he they should get a mazel tov on the on their daughters and uh, Michael Miller's daughter, others going who went on Aliyah. Right. Um, this is a wonderful tribute. Yeah, pretty amazing. All right. Um, I- the uh, the situation with Iran, I'm I'm somewhat confused because I read I think it was actually in your daily alert, which I, at the moment I can't look up because of the technical circumstances we're under this moment. <laughs> but I I think it was in that alert that I saw the uh, the uh, desire among U.S. officials to seize one of the tankers belonging to Iran. Does that does that sound familiar? Yes, well, we did seize, but the the, the Gibraltar government, uh, of course, ruled that they had to release the one that was being held. And uh, against U.S. objections, and they, they, we'll see whether there was a trade-off, what the deal was. Uh, I guess in time we'll, we'll find out more. But the the Iranians are threatening all the time now about seizing things. That, you know, they're messing around with the GPS systems of the boats. So uh, the U.S. has issued a warning, and so the Brits and British and others that uh, boats stay close to the to the pattern and watch out for this kind of interference because the Iranians want to bring them into Iranian waters. Um, they also threatened uh, the arrogance, which is the United States and the Zionist entity, um, if they come into the Straits of Hormuz, if they join the, an international force, and, and more importantly, that they that they are um, threatening shipping going through the Straits of Hormuz and saying we will defeat that. Uh, actually, talk about defeating the United States and everyone else if they if they. Um, interfere in any way, but Iran's oil exports are down to between, the estimates are 100 to 200,000 barrels a day. Uh, the height, it was 2.4 million. Uh, the average, I think, in, the, in months recently was uh, half a million, 600,000. So the, um, and, and they, the more that they uh, express themselves in these extremes terms, you know that they are hurting and the uh, the threats that uh, that they will destroy the United States, destroy Israel, et cetera, et cetera, that the um, we have to take seriously because they they're developing military capacity, but they certainly don't have the capacity to respond. They didn't respond to the hundreds of attacks that Israel has launched uh, against uh, military sites in Syria, even Iraq, as as we have seen, and the the threat that they will, as uh, Sinwar said. Of Hamas, we're going to shower Israel in thousands of, of missiles that the Iranians are now clashing with Egypt in terms of influence in Gaza and pouring more money into Hamas and threatening a three-war front against Israel and, and doing things to reinforce their capacity along the Syrian border, reinforcing uh, fortress-like situations in the villages where they have implanted missiles in people's homes. So the language has gotten... Um, Stronger during the week, the rhetoric continues to be very extreme. But the the fact is that Iran is facing really serious challenges in terms of its its capacities and its internal situation. The unemployment rate now is estimated at forty percent inflation, running at forty percent. Uh, so this, these are not prescriptions for a healthy economy or situation. Is Israel taking credit for the uh, for the uh, bombing of the um, arms facility in uh, Iraq that is uh, presumed to be an Iranian-backed facility? Israel does not take credit for m- many of its actions. L- lately, they did a few, including claiming that the F-35s flew to Tehran, a message that certainly... Had to be well taken by the uh, how long, powers to be there. How long ago was that? A few days ago? 
weeks ago. That's right. Wow. Uh, but they also, the, the flights they rocked, there was a huge explosion there two days ago. Right. And uh, they are, uh, which was a depot for weapons, missile technology, other things that, uh, uh, missile parts rather, that uh, supposedly the Iranians um, put in place in, in, in Iraq. As you know, their growing influence of the Iraqis and the, the they claim that the um, the BMF forces now are the new ARGC, and that the Iranians are are dominant are supporting many of the militias. But there are real clashes. You have the growth of ISIS. We have uh, again all the attention that uh, should have been given to a lot of these issues was was uh, diverted. But they talk about how they have exported the sacred defense. Uh, strategy, which is one of sacrifice, and um, um, they talked about the the Shiites of the world gathered under the command of Qasem Soleimani, who's the head of the IRGC, and that they created a Shiite NATO. And they talked about the admitted that 2,300 Iranians who went to fight in Syria were killed, which is a significant number and, and one that you don't often see them uh, acknowledging. Uh, and finally, the Israeli election, uh, you know, before the whole t- before President Trump's uh, tweet was tied to this whole story, um, I had conjectured that the prime minister went ahead and made this decision, the decision everybody's talking about with the congresswoman, uh, congresswoman, because of uh, because, of, I mean, I hate to be cynical, of course, but, you know, there's an election coming up and what crowd is he playing to? And some have observed that of all the election campaigns that he's been involved with in his career, it, during none of them has he been this magnanimous when it comes to the right-wing community politically and the right-wing community religiously. Do you agree with that? I, I don't know how you compare it, uh, because each election they, they these accusations fly on all sides, and you have divisions um, within the opposition and within Likud, and, uh, and the, um, because the margins this time are so thin, that every vote counts, so the Prime Minister is reaching out to as many potential coalition partners. Remember, it's not the, just the results of the polls that indicate their vote, but who can put together the 61 votes yeah. to form the government. And right now it's a very close, um, the, and there, are, there may be no margins, in fact. So the um, competition for who will, who will be able to get it and whether you're going to be dependent on Lieberman's votes, whether they will not be, it's uh, you know becomes heightened attention and heightened tension um, uh, over it, and the you know at the same time they have to run the country and, and deal with issues. But as we get closer to September seventeenth, I think people can anticipate that we will have uh, uh, more and more manifestations uh, of this kind. So, what do you say to somebody who will t- say to you that um, if there was no election on the horizon, the original decision by a prime minister would have been different? I honestly don't think that it, it plays to uh, to the election. I think it plays to other considerations and and um, you know the, the application of the law. I'm not that cynical that I don't think it's it's uh, that they aren't concerned about the precedent that it set, and they were concerned about how this would be exploited. Right now, the Palestinians are inciting that uh, cooperation, security cooperation, is more limited, and the um, and the demoralization of the security forces on the PA because they cut their salaries, although the PA continues to pay the terrorists and increasing the amounts of money just as they cut the, the, the salaries of the security forces, uh, that the, and this, this hypocrisy does not get the attention that, uh, uh, that it deserves. The, the um, so, 
I, I don't know. Everything obviously takes on a political tone during this, this time, and will increasingly that will be the case. Um, but, you know, Israel has to make decisions based upon a longer-term view. If everything is just seen through the, the tinted glasses of, of an election, after the election, you pay the price for it. Yeah, but most people aren't thinking about after the election, most of those who are running for office. Yeah, but it's, it's it's a really weird year also, one has to admit, with the fractionalization and the, the, the lack of unity on the right, uh, the right. divisions on the left. Well, you may, have heard the, you may have hit the big question, that is, when did I become this cynical? That may be the real Always. No, no it's, it's not a change. You remember but, this from uh, other episodes? I credit you with being consistently <laughs> cynical. Um, but I, I'm, my concern about the election is that I think a lot of people may sit it out, that a lot of people may not vote. I, I hear that for the first time. Ultimately, I think Israelis do go to the polls in, in very significant numbers. But, yeah. it, uh, you know, that there develops a cynicism or, or a fatigue with I'm, this, uh, with the process and going through it the second time in, in a few months. There's something going on. I was in Jerusalem Wednesday. I'm telling you, there's a lack of posters. Even one of the uh, even one of the cab drivers I, I asked, he said, yeah, if I post him, if I post him, like what's going on? Nobody's excited about this thing coming up in a month. Because you got a month yet, so let's see what happens in the last weeks. And I know that there were some banners of BB with Putin, BB with Trump, and, right. uh, and and nobody knows how these things really play out. Does it help? Does it not help? Uh, I saw some funny ads that they uh, created ones, so they're appealing to millennial audiences. They appeal to other specific audiences. We'll know soon. Boy, oh boy! Well, not soon enough. Still a month ago. <laughs> All right, next week we are. Uh... Am I right that next week you're, um, am I wrong? Oh, it's two weeks from now, right? Okay, next week we're on. It's right there, Shevin. Hopefully everything will be stable on this end, and I thank you very much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You too. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I thank him for his patience. That was one thing I never expected, the, the technical glitch of the nature that we had in the middle of our conversation. So I thank him very, very much.